All right. I want to talk to you for a moment about retaining and developing your workforce. It's hard. Recruiting is hard. Retaining top employees is hard. Then you've got onboarding, payroll, benefits, time in labor management. You need to take care of your workforce and you can only do this successfully if you commit to transforming your employee experience. This is where ISOF comes in. They empower you to be successful. We've seen it with a number of companies that we've worked with, and this is why we partner with them here at WorkDefined. We trust them, and you should too. Check them out at isolvedhcm.com. It's Wednesday, and you're here, which could only mean that you're listening to The Practitioner's Corner, the podcast where we talk with practitioners to understand what keeps them up at night. It's their story, what they're working on, and how that affects you. What's up, people? It's Ryan Leary from Work Defined. Today, we are talking with Tammy Rosen, Chief People Officer at Pagaya, about how she's helped to build some of the world's highest performing teams at companies like Goldman Sachs, Apple, and Cora. If you've had issues building high performing teams, if your people seem to be happy, but turns out they're not too happy, they're probably unhappy, what do you do? If you're lost in understanding people, process, and product, this is what we dig deep on today in the conversation with Tammy. Grab a drink. It's time to learn. Hi, we're Practitioner Corner, and uh, we got Tammy Rosen on today. Ryan and myself are going to be asking Tammy all about her career, her journey, if you will. So, Tammy, would you do us a favor and uh, introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about you. Sure. Hi. Thank you for having me today, and I'm excited to be here. And actually to return, as um, William, you've said, we've done this a while ago, so it's nice to come back after, what is it now, four years or maybe three and a half years. Yes. So glad to be back, and thanks to be be invited. So um, I'm Tammy Rosen. I'm currently the Chief People Officer at Pagaya. Um, Pagaya is a fintech in the consumer credit space, and um, I've had a very, very journey, and I've worked across a multitude of different companies from um, finance to tech to SaaS to consumer, internet, uh, LIDAR, and and the like, all mainly in the people space, um, but always with a business eye and seeing people strategy as key and driving the business strategy. Okay, so we're going to have a thousand questions, but <laughs> the first question I'd like to ask, because I know Ryan's already got a clue of them as well, is being a, a people person at those different companies, w- was it the same? Because, you know, sometimes I run into folks, uh, practitioners, and they'll say, I'm in the hospitality industry, and it's so different, or I'm in the travel industry, whatever, and I'm like, it really isn't that different. I mean, it's the same building blocks, maybe... Other things are different. Now, that's just me. I'm an outsider, uh, not a practitioner. So, first of all, kill that if I'm if I'm wrong. Um, but but because you've been in a lot of industries, that's the first thing I want to ask you. Yeah, it's a great question. I don't think anything I've done has been the same. Um, you know, and I, wow. I never look and I never look at each experience as one that um, you know is a cut and paste or right. uh, a just press play. Um, So I grew up um, mainly in the people space at uh, Goldman Sachs, Um, actually did not 
intend to be there. It was sort of like a stopping point, hoping to start my own company and then fell in love with how people can really drive a business strategy and how you can build it within a very established company, but one that didn't have an established function. Um, So that does a, they do a great job of training. They like spend disproportionate training and development, right? Yeah, yeah, and but but people was the core function to right. Goldman, and as a result, the people function really had to step up to the charge to drive that strategy. So I, I had a bird's eye view being pre-IPO at Goldman all the way through to no HCM, to building HCM, to building out wow. programs like the first LGBT ally program and um, a number of other things, but I was able to innovate within a very large company. So I saw that as different than when I went to Apple, which again, another pretty established company by the time I joined there, um, but HR was different and needed different things and different focus areas. Um, and, and going further, leaving Apple and then moving to some of the startups, you're creating from scratch and you're building culture and you're building the function and you're, you're, you're kind of thinking about you know how do you take it from where it is today to where it needs to go in order to deliver on the mission. Uh, or the ambitious mission that you have. Um, and then each of these different companies that I've been at have had twists and turns, whether it's been market dislocations, whether it's been COVID, like at Atlassian and having to think about how do you recreate the way you work. And, and I helped to author Team Anywhere and, and really redefine how you work, not just where you work. And then coming to Pagaya, which, you know, when I joined, the company had 20 people in New York office, a little over a hundred in Israel and had their first partner. And today we have 29 partners. We're a public company. You know, we've been through the twists and turns there. So I don't ever bring a playbook to anything I do. So to your question, they have not been the same, but it's rooted with understanding what works and doesn't work. And then figuring out how do you craft and design for the culture you have, the culture you want and where you need to go for a business. So, Tammy, I know we're going to get deep into all of this, but I think something we need to explain or share with the audience, let's give them some context around your background. How did you fall into people? How did you get into this? Well, that was easy. I, you know, I didn't go to school for it, for sure. I actually... Uh, <laughs> that's, I probably the most, <laughs> that's probably the most consistent answer. I, I didn't go to school for it. Thinking about you need schooling. It's not about schooling. Um, yeah. I, I started out actually thinking I was going to be a lawyer. Um, and, um, and I was pre-law and actually worked for the public defender's office and realized very quickly that wasn't what I wanted to do. And so I went and looked for jobs in the school of management because um, that's where all the people were recruiting from. And I fell into getting this job at NatWest Bank um, in a manager training program that ultimately led me to choose to be a loan officer. Um, So kind of funny if you look at my background now, because I'm now in a fintech that's doing consumer credit. Um, Who would have ever expected? Full circle. I didn't. Um, But I loved loved, um, in that first phase of my career was just trying to find what was going to give me meaning and purpose, right? And and what I realized really quickly is that I loved helping the person who was building that business get what they needed to build that business. I didn't love sitting behind a desk and just crunching numbers, although I could right. do it. 
And those were my first breadcrumbs to realize that that wasn't for me. And I started looking for other opportunities as there was a lot of um, mergers and acquisitions going on in the banking space at that time. And I didn't see myself as being a loan officer for life. So I actually accidentally fell into meeting a friend at her interview for a tech recruiting firm and then got interviewed in the waiting room by the entire company. By It started with one or two people. And by the te- end, it was like 10 or 15 people interviewing me. And they offered me the job. And I was like, nice. really? Um, and I thought about it and I said, you know, this could be fun, placing people on Wall Street in technical roles. I know nothing about technical roles, but I know Wall Street. Um, so I went into that and I did that for about two years and realized very quickly that um, there was a better way to do it. So right. I went to Goldman thinking I'd find a partner and get some money because I didn't have money at the time. And, um, you know, six months into my gig at Goldman, realized very quickly that um, I kind of found a home and I didn't need to go and, and build that other company. I, I could build it within and be an entrepreneur within Goldman. So that's how I got started. You know, I've been playing with this concept of thrive for a couple of years now, like trying to figure out and solve the algebra of where you thrive, because where you thrive and where Ryan thrives and where I thrive, and even at different points in our career, I feel like they're different. I don't, I don't have any, uh, any data to support that, of course, uh, but I just kind of feel like we're solving for thrive when we promote people or when we hire people and possibly when we let people go, uh, they're not thriving in that position, uh, et cetera. And because of your varied experience, like where do you, if, if I have that premise correct, where do you, where do you feel like you thrive? I mean, now maybe as opposed to 20 years ago or whatever, but like, where do you, where do you, where do you thrive? Yeah, so you call it Thrive. I might call it North Star. Um, okay, yeah, cool. And um, it's your passion and motivation, what drives you, um, and what drives you will make you thrive. Um, right. So I guess what I would say for me, it's always trying to help make a difference in the lives of the people that I touch and helping them to reach the potential that they so seek. And and um, in each of the different places that I've been, I try to help build cultures, opportunities, um, make connections, um, whatever it may be to help have that outcome be the case. And it fits nicely in a people function, but to be frank, um, I'm not really your traditional people person. I'm more of a business right. person. People is my product. And, right. and, I, and I think about how do you design those structures to make those outcomes better for people. And you can look at the examples like at Goldman, people were not coming out as being who they are because it wasn't a safe environment. So creating the LGBT ally program was a way to do that. Um, going to um, Apple and looking at, you know, different things that mattered there and what we needed to help with, you know, entrepreneurs that we were purchasing their companies and figuring out ways in which they can integrate better and have a good outcome by being part of Apple, you know, and I can go through each of the different circumstances in different right. companies where I've tried to connect those dots um, to help other people thrive through the mm-hmm. fact that I this, this match connection or create a, an, an outcome for them or a program that will make it work. Um, so, and even today, as I look at, at Pagaya, one of the things I'm most proud of is that we've kind of thrown out performance reviews and said that I personally think they're dead in the way we think about them. We've thrown them out because they don't yield people doing better and learning. They are looking backwards, not forwards. And we've created something called the the continuous learning cycle, which really is about 
you know, setting the right goals, getting the right commitment, being introspective about where you succeeded, where you failed and learning and building that learning culture that inspires people's growth and development and further impact. I love that. So one of the things I wanted to ask you about is um, you went to college. Yeah. I would assume. Right. Yeah. So, University of Binghamton. So why did you choose this college that you went to? A, and what was your favorite course? Ah, so um, you got your bringing me way back then. and um, <laughs> I guess, I'm not even going to address that, but yes, just. Um, part, part of it was, um, actually, um, the true story is that I had applied early decision to a college. And back then, and I'm going to date myself, your guidance counselor submitted your applications. Um, my guidance <laughs> counselor forgot to submit my application. Um, shocking, not and shocking. When, when the um, early decision came out, um, I was not called or not right. given an email or a letter or anything um, and found out that my application never got there. Um, so wow. at that point, I only had two or three other choices and Binghamton was the best college with the best opportunity um, and at the right affordable price um, right. to go to. And I'm forever grateful because it's been a great experience and really had helped to catapult me um, in the right direction. So it was meant to be. Um, right. And my favorite course at, um, at school probably had to do with um, sociology and anthropology um, uh, because I really love um, the study of, of systems and like, um, and really understanding how things work. Um, so I really love that aspect of it. Good. Let's dig a little deeper on, on, on college and, and the majors you took. So you said you were pre-law, right? Yes. All right. So pre-law, we, we've had a lot of these conversations, and I feel like, <laughs> me included, you, you go pre-med, you go pre-law, and then you come out and you're in HR. Right? How, <laughs> how does this happen? So, so <laughs> I, I know how it happens because I've experienced it myself. But yeah. – so, so we're we're talking about work and we're talking about people and decisions and and all this stuff. For that twenty two year old who is pre law today, or pre med, or business, whatever they are, and they're graduating in May, unconfuse these people, help them out, like give them some knowledge here and guidance. What what do they need to understand as they take their first real job? So I, I think if you're in one of the professions like accounting or law or med, there are a little bit more obvious choices that you'll take right. and there's mm -hmm. more clarity. Um, you know, back to what I did is I did something called law and society, which allowed me to do a very more liberal arts degree, which gave right. me a lot of different things to taste and learn and touch and to see what I loved, um, which really suited me well, but didn't suit me well right. on what was next, Right. So I was lucky that I had the idea to go to the business school and drop my resume with some of these companies. Um, and I got two of the interviews and got one of the jobs. I, I call that lucky because um, at when I came out of school, there was only 7% of people got jobs off campus. Um, wow. So now things are a little bit different, but the markets are a little bit weird. And I think yep. what um, I say to young graduates now, and I have my own who just graduated um, oh. last year, is to find something that you can have passion around. And it may not look or feel like what you studied, um, but try to find those things where you can have those passion. It's not going to be perfect. 
And getting experience wow. is the most important thing because through that experience, you're going to learn what you like, what you dislike, what you're good at, what you're not good at, and will help guide you in those paths. I would never, ever imagine my career would look the way it has. It was not planned. Yeah. It was not um, you know, designed. It was not intentional. Um, but it's been an amazing journey. And even with successes and failures, they all connect for you to make that right thing. So even making a, a, a wrong move early on is never a wrong move because it no. teaches you what you don't know or what you don't want and helps you figure out that next path. So I'd say just experiment. In, in that moment, though. And make it perfect. Yeah. And, and in that moment, it's scary. It's, so scary. I, re I remember my last final. I'm like, what do I do? Like, I just walked off campus. I didn't know if I graduated. I, I mean, I assumed I did, but I remember yeah. that, that feeling of, of, um, what do I do? You know? And it's, uh, it's a real, I think it's a real, a real issue that there's, there's a, it's a little lack of guidance on. 100%. Look, it's a real issue. It's a real issue when you graduate. It's a real issue when you have five years out. It's a real issue when you're making different choices in your career. Um, right. look, t Thursday is my third year anniversary at Pagaya. Would I have imagined I'd been here? Well, let me tell you a story. When I was talking to the founder, I was still at another company and I was thinking about going to be an advisor, a consultant, go on boards and teach. And I meet this founder and nothing was in my mind to go back and being an operator. Nothing. I wanted to write. I wanted to teach. I wanted to advise. And, and then you meet and you have this chance meeting that changes your course. And it took me six months to say yes let's be true. It was a definitely not something I was really, you know, gunning to do originally, but now three years later, been the best decision of a decade for me because, and doing this operating role again and being able to build what we built. It's, it's so, it's so, um, I don't know. I, I, it's hard to explain it, but I'm just so proud of, of the fact that I got that nudge to do it and took that leap, but it wasn't in designed that way. Well, see, I, I've, I've, feel this way about careers that they make sense in a rearview mirror they never make sense all the steps that you make both those that are made for you and those that you choose etc like your college story you know it was meant to be that that you were there i believe that so that that person that didn't send in uh your your uh all, all your stuff to another college that was meant to be that that wasn't like all these steps again it makes sense now at the time, <laughs> no, no, it, did not, it does not make sense. I don't think any of the steps. It's devastating. You, nothing. It's devastating. Oh my goodness! Uh, and and people, and you know, we all know this. Some people can get you can get crippled by that stuff because it didn't go your way or the way you thought or the expectation that you had created in your mind. It didn't go that way, and it's like life's over. Or I'm not going to have the career I'm supposed to. It's like mm, chill. Your career will be exactly what you what what it's supposed to be once you go through it, and so all those all those moves, both failed moves and and otherwise, it, it makes sense when you look backwards. Um, I did want to get I your take on on uh, internships, though, um, and you know, wildly you know popular uh, amongst some industries or in some certain industries and within certain groups. What's your take on uh, internships? Well, I'm a big fan of them, and I think people should really try to find them, even if they're unpaid, because um, getting experience in, in a real-world environment is so valuable. 
Um, it's very different than what you learn in school. And I, and, you know, as I think about, um, and I talk a lot about what learning really is and what it really isn't, a lot of people think learning is just acquiring skills, knowledge, and experiences. Right. It's not what they, and I think that's sort of part A of it. The part B of it is how you apply it to new situations. And that's where you can see that the, the quote, learning has happened. And so internships give you that. And I watched it even with my own son last summer in his first internship. He said in those 10 weeks, he learned more than he had learned the first two years of college because he was able to see that it's not like here's information, spit it out, right? It's how do you apply it? How do you manage it? How do you work it through? How do you work with people? How do you influence? How do you make impact? Um, and those things can't sometimes be taught in, in the traditional way we do school these days, which personally, I hope one day we actually change how, right. how colleges teach because I don't think it sets people up in the right way. Right. Yeah, it, it's, 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 I think there's a lack of communication, learning of communication. And now it, it's just one of those things. So, all right, so, so let, let's jump into inspiration. We talked about this previously. Where, where do you currently draw your inspiration from? What's, what's making you tick? All right. I want to talk to you for a moment about retaining and developing your workforce. It's hard. Recruiting is hard. Retaining top employees is hard. Then you've got onboarding, payroll, benefits, time and labor management. You need to take care of your workforce and you can only do this successfully if you commit to transforming your employee experience. This is where iSolve comes in. They empower you to be successful. We've seen it with a number of companies that we've worked with and this is why we partner with them here at WorkDefined. We trust them and you should too. Check them out at isolvedhcm.com. There's, uh, well, such a broad question, but it's, um, yeah. I'll, yep. I'll take it in a couple of different directions. <laughs> well, it's, um, it's, it's also, Tammy, it's Ryan and I run into, because we go to a lot of conferences. And so we run into a lot of practitioners and sessions yeah. on podcasts. And sometimes you could just see that the battery is low that they're really, really super smart, but the battery is yeah. low. And for no other reason than they've been working 80-hour weeks or just crazy, under crazy stress, mm -hmm. et cetera. And I think it's always kind of interesting for, for he and I to just find out, like, how do you recharge? Like, it could be inspiration. Yeah. It could be just, like, what do you, what do you, you know, again, solving that algebra of – you know, you're, you got to get back on the horse. You got to get back your battery full, full to, to a full charge. How do you, how do you do that now? Because of course, 10 years ago, you might've done it differently, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I think for me, it, it really comes down to, I, I love creativity and I love the process of seeing how things get created or invented. And so I love to listen to podcasts like the song exploder that breaks down a song and then shows how that artist crafted it and made it right. Or looking at, you know, um, you know, there used to be another show called song land where it showed the art of, um, from the words to the music, to the singer, to how it actually gets made. And I draw inspiration from those things and seeing how the creative process works for others so that I can draw inspiration on the creative process for myself, my teams, for my husband, for our families, things like that. Um, so I really do draw inspiration from that. I also draw a lot of inspiration. I'm a people person, obviously, and I'm, a, I'm also an extrovert. 
So I draw a lot of inspiration from talking to different people and connecting people to different people. Um, and that inspires me. I'm most alive when I see a connection work that I've made um, and see an outcome that wouldn't have happened had that connection not been made or creating something new or solving that one problem nobody can solve. So in order to be inspired to do that, I need to look and get sources of, of like how that's done elsewhere. Um, so I really do love technology. I love um, this whole resurgence of AI and, and all of those things really help to um, give me those um, moments. And just on any bad day, I'll just say, I, you know, I, I rely heavily on my family um, and my friends. Um, they're always my bedrock, um, especially my husband, who has always been my not only best friend, um, but also hugest supporter in my career. Um, and my children, you know, who, who are, you know, obviously very close to me and, and are, are constantly giving me sources of inspiration and watching them and how they grow in their lives. That's fantastic. Um, all right. Let, let me put people, process, and product in front of you and ask mm. you to, to rank them. And people? there is no right answer. There, there is no right answer. And you can't say all three. <laughs> so let's, let's lay down some ground rules. And uh, okay. So people are the talent that you have. Processes. Let's just do onboarding. Create a simple process. Yeah. Uh, you're going to be doing brand new, and you probably did this at at Atlassian because we went with COVID. But a brand new onboarding program, uh, which a process, and in the technology that's under the underpinnings, the technology that then drives that process. Where do you start? What's number one, two, and three? How do you order those? People, product, and process. Yep. Um, so. I would not be who I am if I don't start with people. Um, I, so I'm going to be. I was waiting for you to say product, and oh man, I, I was so <laughs> waiting for that. Well, it's actually the technology, William. Yep. No. Well, okay. Cool. No, Sorry. come on, guys. Like, if you talk about it, people is my product. So I'm actually using two bullets right there. There you go. Fair, well, fair, fair statement. Um, fair statement. And um, so I think people always first because if you don't have the right people in the right places at the right time. It doesn't matter what product you have and the process doesn't matter. Right. Everything has to draw from that. Um, and so I always want to understand what's going on for the people. What are the challenges? What are the, what are the issues? How do we remove the roadblocks? And then you think about how you design the product and, it, and you don't look at it from what it was done in the past. You look at right. what are the challenges you're solving today? Um, and you go with a beginner's mindset, first principles, whatever you want to call it, and you design it with a blank piece of paper. And then you figure out if you need process. The challenge with process is most people, when something goes wrong, they start with process and procedure right. as the That's only right. way to solve the problem. You have That's to right. change behaviors and culture. Yep. And process is there to support that change, not to drive that change. That's, I've, I've, I, I, I've, I believe the same way. I believe you start with people, check, covered. But I believe the second thing is, is I believe you can put an inferior process on, no, a superior process on an inferior tech and still get there. Whereas you can't do the opposite uh, exactly. or it's very difficult to help. Again, getting back to the people, your people can rescue you out of anything. But uh, I love your answer. It was wonderful. Well, um, and I could give you an example. I remember over at one of my companies that someone developed this beautiful new app. And the app was going to be the be all 
end all to design how people got moved from one place to the next, how they got promoted, how they got paid, how they got managed, how they developed. It had everything in it, every bell and whistle that any HR leader would die to have. It fell flat, completely, utterly flat because they didn't win the hearts and minds of people and they didn't understand how to actually manage it in a way that can work with what was the right um, problem you were solving. It was trying to do too much and doing too much didn't solve any of those problems. It's the first time I've heard someone say hearts and minds around technology. That's, that's genius. Cause it's, uh, I can tell you getting adoption, it's a game of, of marketing and communications and getting people to feel like they have some control. And once they feel like they have some control, then learning the technology, making sure they adopt yeah. the technology and then seeing that, they can't live their life without that technology. So I love that. And, Thank you for saying that. Well, and those that really find that magic between, it, it works even better than what the technology ever promised. So I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be me if I didn't ask you about programs that you've rolled out across your career that really, I mean, maybe you had a lowered expectation, but they just, went crazy good for you like you rolled out a new program and it's just like you woke up one day and it's like oh my god this has gone viral and the opposite where you think okay this new program whatever like you know, employee referral program whatever this new program that we're going to roll out it is going to light things up it's going to change recruiting you know etc and then it just falls flat so Give us the positive and negative. And again, we don't need companies. It's just more of the, the types of programs. We might try to guess yeah, the company. Well, I, but. <laughs> uh, well, I'll say one of the things I'm most proud of um, today and even at Pagaya is the continuous learning cycle that we've created. Um, and, and this was a real bet because it's basically saying we're not going to use a 360 review. We're not going to look at a a performance review like everyone's seen at every other company. And we're going to design it with what makes sense for us and design around our culture of learning. And we, right. and, and so we started from that blank piece of paper, what we needed to do. We did the right method on it. And the first time out, we ended up getting like almost hundred percent completed their, their self-reflection in the first week. And then managers over the next two to three weeks all had conversations with every employee, which is the game of it, right? That's what you want. That's what you're striving for is that everyone has a conversation that is useful and helpful to their career um, and looks at what they succeeded, what they didn't, sets goals, looks at their, um, you know, what they're going to do in the, in the future, but also um, how well they did it or didn't do in the past. And we've now done this four times. And where I call this a success is when you find that more than 70% of people in a survey will say that they look forward to the next one. How many of you look forward to the next performance review that you had? Mm-hmm. You know, and how many of you are going to say that more than 90% of them felt they learned something and grew as a result of the conversation? That's right. huge. Um, and that you're seeing people looking forward, but also getting an outcome and having impact as a result. That's a huge success. Now, I would say it's one of my big successes. Um, I oh, think something- snap. That's a flex. That's a flex right there. <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of a throwaway. I mean, I got so many to, to, to pull from. Yeah. Just no, it's one of my big successes, but uh, it, I didn't do it alone. So let's be clear. Right. This is a, a team of people and having the support and winning the hearts and minds of people 
um, is important and um, doing it with the leaders and having them um, do it as well, it makes sense. Um, you know, it's funny because you're going to ask me now, where have I failed? And um, I guess- a, a program, not you, a program. Whatever, me, a program, whatever. You're just potato, potato. I all the time, it happens, right? Um, <laughs> but I, I look at those moments as the best learning ones, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So- you know, there's examples of where, you know, we've made commitments that people are going to be able to do something and we thought we could and we didn't communicate at the same time as execute. And we focused purely on just execute, execute, execute. And we forgot that we needed to bring people along for it because we were so worried about meeting a deadline and not worried about communicating the expectations along the way. So that's one of my that's happened countless times. And, you know, hopefully I'll learn from it. <laughs> we'll learn from it. <laughs> but it's You're a, such it, an optimist. I am. I am. You're such, such an optimist. I love it. I love it. Ryan, you you have something? No, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm just. I can get your take on, on span of control. Um, <laughs> and so, <laughs> girls today. You know, that's not my bit. My bit is uh, more curious because I was talking to an executive at ADP and um, and we were just going back and forth, kind of ripping on this, this, this bit. And he says, listen, it's for me, it's six people. I've got to have six people and I want to talk to them every single week. So there isn't a week that goes by that I don't, even if they're on vacation, mm-hmm. I'll leave them a voicemail. Or something. I don't want them to talk to me. I don't want them to get back to me or anything like that. But I'm thinking about them. And I can't do that with more than six people. And because for him, this was his bit. Is he's like, I, I lose. If I get 15 reports, it's hard for me to do it. And then I get frustrated because I can't do it and all this other stuff. And so it got me really thinking about span of control. And I mean, GE had a very specific yeah. kind of take on span of control. Um which leads me just to kind of what's your belief? What's your what's your take? As you've seen these that play out at different companies, what's your take? Yeah, you know, we always get a nice fancy title for something, span of control. Yeah, you know, um, but um, I would say I would say that um, you know it's important that you have the right touch points with the people that work for you, and that you can direct and give them the right out, like help them through things and be a good guide. If you have 15, I think that's super difficult and, and, and you can't, you you can't have 15 one-on-ones every week um, and still get work done. So I do think it's important to have the, the most necessary, but as much streamlined as possible. So I truly like to keep my directs to maybe four, three or four. I'm, I'm so sorry. I have a cat who's who's scratching at a door one second. (laughs) <laughs> just off camera go get your cat we all went through covid we're good yeah. that, that, that would have been the uh show. the drop mic walks off stage exactly yeah i did have a cat who's scratching so, and so and you I, said I, three to four Three to four so is I your. Have three, I have usually between three and four for myself. Oh, that's fascinating. Um, that also enables me to do a lot of skip levels and yep. enables me to, um, you know, I'm not hierarchical. 
right. always go to who owns the product or the project right. and, and I go mm. directly to them. Um, maybe they like it or dislike it. I don't know. Um, yeah. But um, my point is, I think less is better because then you have more time to actually do the work you need to do I, um, versus spending more of the time in meetings talking about the work. Right. Um, right. So I think that one of the downsides of everybody going remote work or hybrid is that you're on back to back all the time and you're having more meetings, but those meetings are not always more productive. Um, and if you have too many direct reports, um, I think it makes it hard because you have to have touch points with them along the way on everything. So right now I have like four direct reports and, you know, I've probably gone upwards of seven or eight, um, but it gets difficult. So, okay. So then now I have a task to question of thrive around you. So the people that report to you, is there, is there anything that you can draw down on that says, okay, here's the people that thrive around me. And I'll just use myself as, as an example. And then you can, you know, show how different you are. I like contrarians. So I like people that will actually tell me that I'm wrong uh, and then tell me a different path. Cause I can't see what I, I can't see. The other is, is I like people that can deal with a lot of ambiguity. Like it can consume a lot of ambiguity and kind of work on their own and kind of bump around and figure things out. And I, I think the people that thrive around me are also, um, they're people that, that beg for uh, forgiveness. So they're not permission-based. They don't come to me and say, hey, Will, we were thinking about painting this house black. I, I That type of conversation frustrates me. I just want them to go paint the house and then come back and go, hey, man, we painted that house black. It's like, oh, that's a terrible idea. All right, let's figure that out. You know, we'll go from there. But I've, right. I've just, over the course of years, I've figured out, like, the people that, and, and right or wrong, the people that thrive around me are those types of people. If, yeah. if For yourself, is, is there anything that you can draw down and kind of express to the audience in terms of people that thrive around Tammy? Yeah, I, I think people with a creative mindset but also our solutions oriented. Um, I like contrarians too. I like yeah. debate. Um, so people that thrive around me that are willing to be open, honest, unbiased. Um, and I, and I think the unbiased piece is really hard because a lot of times we're groomed to come sell an idea because right. if we're given it, we have to make it successful. So we'll kind of hide the things that would go wrong. Um, I like people to kind of give all of the possibilities and say why something will work, not why it won't work. And I think a lot of times we're groomed to believe that something won't work. And we're supposed to show why it, it can't be possible. So people that thrive around me are people that are solution providers, creative thinking, always want to find that solution, believe there's a solution. They're not, no, 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 no. Um, right. Negative Nancy's, don't work happen. around you. Yeah, yeah I mean... It'll frustrate me because I, as you can see, I'm very much an optimist and I always believe there's a solution to every problem, just not always present in the moment. So I'd like to brainstorm with people about how do we find those problems we're not seeing, those solutions, I mean, that we're not seeing and, and really find them um, on behalf of everyone. <laughs> so, all right. So, Tammy, as we wrap up here, give us just off the top of your head, a couple of nuggets that people can walk away with who are in a position that you may have been in 10, 15, 20 years. I don't know. I'm just throwing years out there. 
in your career, as you started for somebody who's starting to walk into an organization to manage people or to build a people organization and work on culture, give them a couple of just little nuggets that they can maybe tuck away and, and pull out as they need to. Yeah. So I guess advice, first of all, is really know and experience the business in which you support. Um, if you don't understand it full stop, you can't design around it. Um, and you can't create the right people strategy to support it. So understanding the business and being able to talk fluently about it in a way that um, is as good as if you were the product person or the, um, you know, the engineer is super important so that you can design around it in the right way. So that would be one. The second I would say is build strong relationships with everyone at every level. Um, you know, something I do a lot is every so often I'll hold office hours or I'll um, walk yeah. the floors. That's um, smart. Understanding what's going on when you're more senior or you're in this leadership role, less comes up, you have to seek it out. So find those ways, whether you create them or, um, you know, less organically <laughs> um, mm -hmm. or find them organically in order to get the information that'll help you, again, to think about designing solutions. And, and then lastly, I would just say is be a constant learner. Um, and that's super hard for people. We all say we want to learn, but learning is a difficult thing. It means you have to be humbled. You, you have to be okay with failure and you have to be um, transparent in, and introspective um, without worrying about the outcome because you can't learn if you can't identify what the problem is and what, you, what went wrong. So those would be my three. I love it. So <clears throat> the question I have is in terms of social. The, the different kind of voices that kind of come into Tammy's head from <clears throat> Facebook or LinkedIn or wherever it is. And it isn't a popularity contest or anything like that, but just like, you know, give us a one or two of people that you really, their voice right now is really resonating with you. Oh, gosh. Hmm. Come on now. This That's can't be that hard. This is well, not that hard. You know, you I, you, I, you don't have to mention me. It's okay. That, well, before I was going there, I was going there, I you know, but I thought work would be very upset if I did that. So, you know, there's a bunch of different people. I, I think um, I, I really um, value a lot of what Ray Dahlia shows mm -hmm. uh, on his, his page. Um, right. I look at a lot of the um, different sports um, coaches and, and, um, you know, music. So I, I kind of go across a bunch of different things. There's not one um, right. that I can pin it on um, because I, I consume information from all different places. And sometimes it's the most unlikely unknown person sure. that actually gives that inspiration. Um, but in general, I, I guess I'm, you know, a LinkedIn junkie that way. Oh, um, yeah. I love oh, to yeah. read all the articles and what people are writing and what people are experiencing. And I love listening watching what people write about around reflections, whether it's an anniversary or retirement, because those to me are the most powerful because it's coming from experience. Right. Um, right. I don't love all of the, the people that are just academics, you know, prophesying yeah, yeah. about things because, because you know, they've never experienced it. Um, they've just researched it. 
Now that's right. good and that helps. I'm not trying to poo-poo that, but right. um, I, I'm a practitioner at heart and I love people <clears throat> that roll their sleeves up and then tell it from where they're in position. I, I'm, I'm right there with you. What I've, I've grown more attracted to is people, practitioners telling their story, their journey, and kind of where they, you know, where things, something was sideways. So you can tell, you know, it's authentic because they're being yeah. vulnerable uh, and they're telling you things that like, okay, I get it. That, that was a really tough, tough bit. Um, and exactly. primarily that's LinkedIn. It used to be Twitter was, I, I, I was really in love with like different voices on Twitter, especially around recruiting where they were asking really probative or making fun of recruiting. Like I got, there was a period yeah. where I really loved uh, Adam, uh, Adam stuff like or Jeff Shapiro's or stuff like that, where they were just asking questions and like, why do we think like this? Like, this is crazy. This is insane. Like, I, I really liked that for a period. So, uh, Tammy, thank you so much for agreeing to come on the show and coming on the show. You, you've been absolutely wonderful. So just thank you for your thank time. You, thank you. I appreciate absolutely. your time too. And, and uh, thank you to the audience for listening.